Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, yet another co-video recovery. <laughs> I think we're going to be doing these for a while. I think we are too, So, but we came up with our theme, so we didn't have yeah. to keep fighting over an infinite universe of movies to choose from. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I thought, isn't everything opening back up in May? That's pretty soon. Sure, if you're in St. Louis, it's May 4th. We'll see how well that goes. Yeah. Even if it opens back up, like nobody, the studios aren't releasing anything. So <laughs> yeah, where you know, what are you gonna go see? I, I always thought that was funny when like they're talking about theaters and oh, theaters can open back up, and it's like, <laughs> what do you think they're going to show? Like, I mean, I mean, yes, yeah, someone might go watch the whatever fiftieth anniversary of Godzilla. You know, they're just the- gonna stream Netflix to the theater. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you could be onto something. I know. So uh, it's episode 571. I guess uh, let's go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Uh, Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can uh, go there and rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe so you never miss an episode. Of course, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there. Uh, like the page, join the group, which is called the League of Show Shares, and you can become a League of Show Share member officially, a real honest-to-goodness one, by sharing an episode. Uh, people who were kind enough to share the episode this week were Griffin Fox-Smith, Julianne Jordan, Librarian Cynthia, Susan Carlson, Chris Sanders, Ron Johnson, Travis Tewitt, Gabriel Lugo, Chris Williams, Brent Smith, Chris Magicman, Aaron Marlowe, Lane Levanway, Carl Clarkson, Jason Weesey, Dylan A. Lang, Tammy Sherman Powers, and Timmy Tuzun. So thank you very much for sharing an episode. Uh, and um, finally, our Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers for, for five bucks a month. You get all sorts of bonus content and you help us out and we appreciate that. So what we are doing moving forward well before we get into that i, yeah. I have a bone to pick with jason weesey who oh. hey wrote us a fantastic message on the on the group page about uh the positivity that we kind of try to uh encourage right but also i'm gonna call him out for his love of batman returns <laughs> now people he called it a lot. very underrated movie people well we hated it so <laughs> that would be underrating it i suppose <laughs> I yeah, now, that's true <laughs> now you do realize joe that we're in the minority here apparently right? like holy god i did not expect the uh the amount of i don't i don't want to call it vitriol but the amount of um defense yeah that people came to it for batman returns because it was uh it was like ba- bvs levels it's the 90s equivalent of uh the shape of water <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and the thing is i say that in jest i, I i'm just giving jason the yeah. guff but i but yes the amount of people who are just like no it's the it's the greatest movie somebody said it was the greatest comic book movie ever made and it's like <clears throat> yeah I, well, I, I don't even have a response for that I think for people that listened to the episode, we were very much on front street of saying like, I mean, Joe and myself that we've always loved the movie and we went into it expecting to love it. And it's not like we went into it trying to tear it apart or anything. And, you know, I know that a friend of the show, Ryan Terry, has a very strong uh, opinion of the movie and he's written essays on it and and all that stuff. And so our review was it by no means an attack. We did not set out to all gang up on the movie. You have to understand, and I am the one that chose that movie, and I specifically chose it so we could talk about a movie that everybody loves. It backfired big time because I did not expect to feel the way I did. I didn't think Joe would feel the way he did. I didn't know what Tom's opinion was, but he hates everything, so I presumed that probably... I never... I remember when the movie came out, I didn't really particularly care for it, but I just was like, okay, I guess like either one, I haven't seen it in 30 years and maybe, you know, maybe I'll have a different opinion now or, or maybe I'm just the odd man out. I mean, it happens. We all have movies that we don't like, but everyone else seems to love. Right. And so I was, or in my case, vice versa. Right. And so uh, not the movie vice versa, but like, yeah, (laughs) but, but yeah, so I was just, I was 
uh, just like okay cool like if you you don't want to you know you want a, a good movie to talk about <laughs> oh whatever <laughs> so you know anyway so this it, clearly it was not meant to be any kind of an attack and i know ryan was frustrated because it seemed like a one-sided discussion and you know he was adamant that we should have had someone on to defend the other side but what he what i tried to convey to him was we were the other side yeah <laughs> tom was supposed yeah. to hate the movie and joe and i were supposed <laughs> to love the movie that's how it was supposed to happen but i'm not going to come on of the episode and lie about it or to you know be not be honest and the thing is like you know and he's like well when you realized it was one-sided you should have blah, blah, blah. it's like no we're recording an episode i'm not right. gonna reschedule <laughs> gonna our entire mid episode be like <laughs> yeah. oh by the way yeah so you know um right you know i said well maybe at some point uh whether you know if, if we need a bonus episode down the road a patreon or something i said we'll have ryan on maybe we can uh, have him try to convince us that we were all wrong but oh, um, good luck and in defense of Batman Returns, a special Patreon <laughs> yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, but yeah. ironically, I think I was the one who ended up liking it the, or having the most positive things <laughs> we to did, say about it. We did a complete heel face turn. Yeah, we did. Like Kevin and I turned heel, and Tom Tom turned face. I like, mean, I didn't was, love it, but was I was like, because the... I was like, I don't like it as a Batman movie, but as a Tim Burton movie, like, yeah, it, 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 it's and it's good to look at. It's pretty. But yeah. That's, yeah, well, that's the thing, too, though, is we don't have, you know, five hours to talk about it, but I love it for the exact same reasons, Tom. I, I you know, I talked about loving the aesthetic. I love the art direction. I love the costumes. I think it's a great Tim Burton movie. The problem, I think all the problems we had was applying Batman to it. That was yeah. our number one complaint. This is, so That was the end of me liking Tim Burton. Like, that's the tale. Like, I think Sleepy Hollow is the last, like, Burton flick that I enjoyed. And then he goes off the rails for me. I don't know. I mean, I've really enjoyed some of the stuff he's done, you know, since yeah, then. No, I, I, yeah, no, trust me. He could definitely kind of pre- go up his own ass sometimes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but but he's still made... Because Ed Wood is after this, right? Yeah, Ed Wood, Sleepy Hollow, and I think that's... And then Big Fish after Sleepy Hollow? And I, I think Big, Big, Big Fish is his masterpiece. And though. I think that's a great I example that, that I don't like Big Fish at all. Nope, me either. Oh, wow. I think it's okay. really just... It's like... I mean, I know every movie by virtue of definition tries to like, you know, manipulate you emotionally, but like I can just really see the strings on that one and it just yeah. does nothing for me. Oh, Not a thing. That's too bad. Not nothing of any kind. Ed Wood, that to me, that is his masterpiece. I I think Ed Wood it's a toss up between Ed Wood or Sleepy Hollow. I love Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. But I think Ed Wood's fantastic as well. But uh, anyway, uh, back to this week's movie. Yeah, that was movie. it. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. So uh, so we had been doing a 0% project, and then that kind of morphed into a misbegotten sequel. So not maybe not necessarily 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, but not uh, stellar turns. Uh, and then we decided that uh, in an effort to have good movies, we'll try this again, <laughs> Kevin. we'll pair our misbegotten sequel with their uh, presumably less misbegotten origin source so we will do the original movie and then a sequel that uh, maybe didn't stick the landing so uh, this week we will be tackling Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid followed by Butch and Sundance the early days a movie that is so Good forgotten, Lord. so forgotten, they don't even get the title of the movie right on the Blu-ray. <laughs> like, Oh, really? The Blu-ray that I was able to acquire, the movie is called Butch and Sundance The Early Days. On the, on the actual disc itself, it says Butch and Sundance The Early Years. Because that should have been the title. Well, it should have been the title, but it's not. And yeah. There's, yeah. There's, trust me, there's problems with that movie. Oh yeah, like time like timeline wise. Yeah, it's a uh, before. Yeah, I, I, but I will say it's not an. I didn't think it was an, a horrible movie. It was just aggressively mediocre. But we will get That's, to that. Yeah. So before we get to that, we will tackle the uh, I, one of the finest movies I think ever made, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, directed by uh, George Roy Hill. I don't know how you can defend that it's not. When I started working at Blockbuster, um, you just get to a point where you've seen everything, right? Right. So you just start going down the the aisles. And I remember picking up... Uh, I was on a really weird Robert Redford kick. Nothing weird about that. Well, that's true. But I picked up uh, Jeremiah Johnson, All the President's Men, and this. 
Jeremiah Johnson is it's it's a slow movie, but it's, it's very slow. But it's beautiful. Uh, just the, it is the 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 mountain scenery, snow, and like it's that's a great looking movie. And the and the gift that nobody realized was Robert Redford until like six months ago, of him like nodding, like oh, that gift yeah, of him with the beard. From, yeah, that's where that's from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. So so I just kind of fell down this rabbit hole, and this I remember, you know, I was a big fan of like the spaghetti westerns, um, and I just felt like the westerns for me at that age were like the movies that my dad watched and I just had no interest in them. Totally. And then I watched this and I was like, Oh, are they, are they all like this? Cause I have, I have screwed the pooch. If I have been sleeping on movies like this, this is, <laughs> I, I don't know if the words will ever truly describe how wonderful this movie is. Well, you know, the, the, the funny thing about it is, well, first off one, no, all Westerns aren't like this. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I figured that out. Yeah. And there are some amazing Westerns, but, uh, but they're not like this. And this movie was not well reviewed when it came out. Like it was, it got, you know, kind of a fair to Midland sort of reviews because it was such a different sort of Western. And I think it's a, a really classic, maybe the, the ultimate example of people going in expecting one thing and getting another and not knowing how to process it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, like there's the movie is, is anachronistic deliberately so right like i mean they use present day music which can be kind of jarring and i honestly don't care for the music choices the song selections in the movie like yeah but um but also the way newman and redford carry themselves are are they have a very modern sensibility and and uh and i think we're more used to seeing that now because it's been aped but uh at the time that's not what you saw in westerns and the other thing that people recoiled at um which we'll get into from a plot standpoint is that they don't fight they run away like sure like sure 40 minutes of this movie if you know it, <laughs> yeah, that's revo- true. I mean, really the entire plot of this movie is them running away and like when william goldman sent the script out initially this first studio sent it to was like yeah like Cowboys don't run away, so you need to rewrite this thing. I don't know what you're doing, but you need to change it. I feel like that aspect is makes them like that makes them more endearing, and that adds to the emotional punch of when they have to fight. It it does, yeah. and but I think also what makes them endearing is is what's so tricky is is just the casting, right? Because oh, for sure, because yes. you you see what it looks like, and there's as actors, there's nothing wrong with William Cat or Tom Berenger. But they're not Newman and Redford. I will say, as far as like casting somebody based on looks, yeah, like those are close. They did like if you from an though th- th- they're so close. Yes, to Newman and Newman. Yeah, Newman yeah. and Redford. Absolutely. Like s- some of those shots of Berenger with when he's wearing that bowler and the fur coat, he like, looks yeah. just like him. Oh my god! Even even William Cat when William Cat finally grows the mustache, yeah. They're, I mean, they've got the same hair. They, William Cat is definitely a little on the smaller side. Like right. Redford always comes off as like big, right? Like a big, a big man. So William Cat kind of has a smaller stature, but in the face and even in some of their the way he would deliver dialogue yeah. sounded just like him. Yeah, no, they 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 did a good job. It just you know, yeah. And again, we'll we'll get to that. We'll one, get into that one. <laughs> but it's an interesting juxtaposition. And uh, but yeah, they like they didn't want Redford. Newman had to fight for Redford. He wasn't a name yet. And uh, this was originally called The Sundance Kid and Butch Cassidy. That was the way Goldman wrote the script and submitted it. And then uh, they had cast Newman as Butch Cassidy and Steve McQueen as as uh, as Sundance. That's too much cool. It's too much. Too much cool. You can't do that much cool. And And then uh, you get Robert Redford and you're like, well, all right. Yeah. And so they uh, (laughs) when then McQueen dropped out. And then Newman fought for Redford, and they went ahead and cast him. But then they were like, "Well, we can't have Redford's na- character's name be first, so they flipped it to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So there you go. Which okay. just sounds better. I mean, I know that it we're does. used to it now, right. but honestly, it just flows better to me. Yeah, I've, just, I've been trying to figure out in my head if that's because I'm used to it or or if it's just flip. But it does seem like it flows I know better. 
yeah, I mean, I totally understand that that's the whole, like, we've been programmed, we've heard as much, but it's like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid seems to flow better than the Sundance Kid and Butch Cassidy. I don't know. It, I don't, I, I don't just, like it. Yeah, yeah I, it, it's just the way that it f- comes out of your mouth. You're like, oh, no, too many syllables <laughs> yeah, up front. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think and it, and it starts with a soft syllable, Sundance, mm-hmm. instead of yeah. Butch Cassidy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, so take um, that, Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> so I guess, uh, and, and also, we should also just real quick before we dig in, uh, talk about what a hit this movie was. It made a hundred. I was going to ask, yeah. $102 million. In, in ni- what year? 1969. That's it made $102 million in 1969, adjusting for inflation. That's $721 million. <laughs> and that's essentially Damn. domestic. I don't even know if they kept track of international box office back then. So That's crazy. Yeah. Is there any two dudes who, besides maybe Steve McQueen, who like just were just cool? Like I feel like anytime I see... Paul Newman. That dude is always always the epitome of cool for sure. Uh, right? But it's just like he's got a different you know, when I think of, I think of like James Dean uh and Steve McQueen, there's just a he, Paul Newman just has like a different level of confidence. I feel mm. like like he's got like I don't even know who I could describe like who I could compare it to today. I think The Rock maybe you know, the natural maybe. charisma where it's just like shine, it, it seems effortless. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is a yes. Yeah. I could I could Clooney. see definitely. That's the that's the best comparison. Clooney. And then there's I don't Clooney Clooney kind of has like that smarmy cool. Yeah, I agree. You know like that Brad that Pitt has a not, not overconfident mellow, cool but cool. Like, yes, yeah. Brad Pitt has mm-hmm. like that Jeremy is it Jeremy London? Whichever London was in Dazed and Confused. Like that kind of cool. Yeah, you don't see that often. Jason anymore. London was in Dazed and Confused. I can never remember. Jeremy which London's one it the is. Mallrats one that went crazy. Apparently, <laughs> oh right, the one that said he was kidnapped but wasn't kidnapped. <laughs> but uh, apparently, Kevin Smith says he's back in for the the sequel. So I guess you can't have a, you can't have Mallrats without TS. I know, but I mean, yeah. I, sometimes you have to when they're you <laughs> that's know? true. Yeah, but uh, so he says unless he's, he's your best friend, so. you just you just keep propping him up there, hoping that he can get his lines right. Yeah. You know who has it in the right role, but he doesn't take the right roles very often, is uh, Matthew McConaughey. For sure. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see. And then, so you just have these two. Sometimes when you get two charismatic dudes, they don't work together on screen because they're fighting. Their, e- their egos, they're fighting. You know, like both of them are fighting for that spotlight. When these two, when Robert Redford and um, Paul Newman are on screen at the same time, you are drawn to it's I don't I don't think there's been anything like them since they have great chemistry and that's what really makes this movie is the two of them in the leads like that casting and even though it was fortuitous that they came together and it wasn't the first choice for that pairing but wow I don't know that this movie would have ever became a success if it weren't for just that you know the way they clicked on screen I totally agree yeah and then I mean in the sting as well like it's just it it carries over there. And that's why the Sting was such a big deal when it came out, because it was repairing them and repairing them with the same director. Yeah. And it's not the same writer, right? Uh, no, I don't. It's a, diff- no, it's a it's different, different writer. writer. Yeah, because th- this was okay. written by William Goldman, who would write uh, Stand By Me and The Princess Bride, Misery. Um, uh, Masquerade? Ma- did he? I don't know. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. Marathon Man. Uh, like he's. Considered one of the greatest screenwriters. I was thinking that I was looking at his IMDb yesterday, and it's, he did a lot of stuff before this that I don't think, like Masquerade, I think is. But there was a um, there was a Paul Newman flick where he's almost he's a private detective, right? Harper, Harper, okay, and it's so good. Yeah, like Harper. it's it. Ha, no, it's Hoopa, Harper, Hoopa, Hoopa. <laughs> uh, but it's if you've never it's if you like the like Point Blank with um. Lee Marvin, right. it's in that vein, but you get to have the cool Paul Newman, in the, yeah. you know, instead of you know the not so cool Lee Marvin, yeah, yeah. So I I don't really I don't know much like Batman Returns. I don't really think we need to go through this one beat for beat because I feel like this is probably you know everybody has seen this movie. Well, I hadn't seen it until we watched it. Are you serious? Really? Yeah. yeah. Why? No one ever told me to watch it. 
that's that's so what happens when you grow up without a, a father figure in your house yeah like, <laughs> like for real like i'm not even yeah. like bagging on you like uh like because like my my dad left or you know not like abandoned us but like he my parents got divorced when i was like 12 13 and so like i never really i didn't i didn't really watch westerns they were boring they were the epitome yeah. of boring to me and so i didn't start watching them until my early 20s because i'm like so many people are raving about certain ones i'll go check them out so like i was late to the game on a, on a lot of a lot of westerns tom has told me about a lot of westerns like yeah that's the thing like no one in my family like my mom never watched westerns my grandma didn't watch westerns and like my grandpa introduced me to blazing saddles and mel brooks movies you know but that's about as close as a western that we ever got to uh so i've been discovering a lot of these over the years um but yeah i never had gotten around to this one i knew the cover i mean i knew about it but well yeah, there's a I mean, poster this... of it in the podcast studio yeah like, definitely. Yeah, absolutely there is yeah, yeah. And it's funny because when you finally see the end of the movie and you see that iconic shot that you've seen, oh, everywhere, yeah. it's interesting to see how or where that comes from. So what did you think, Kevin, like as your first time watching this, what did you think? I thought it was really good. I mean, the the chemistry is undeniable. Uh, I I loved the modern take on it. I loved the way that they acted. Uh, I thought it was really refreshing, really unique. Uh, yeah, the two of them paired were were great. Um, I did like the anachronistic stuff. I get. I mean, it did feel a little weird and out of place. Like I get how the music. I mean, it's a little jarring, but I also there was something that I liked about it. And uh, what I thought was really cool was I, I was expecting these guys to, you know, roll into every town and start shooting people up and all that. And the fact that Butch Cassidy was the gentleman bank robber and, you know, Sundance was was his partner and went along with him. And and the way that they basically avoided ever trying to hurt anybody and they were more celebrities than people fearing them. I, I thought it was interesting. And then especially since the whole last half of the movie is them on the run like i did not expect that at all also i think people lose sight of the fact like this movie's 50 years old and when it was made it wasn't that far removed from when it occurred right and so it oh that's true it would be like making a movie today that was set in like 1950 and and uh it was it was recent enough history that uh Butch Cassidy's sister, sister yeah. visited the set and actually was in some of the commercials. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, and she died, like, I, I don't, I'm not all that long ago. I mean, all things considered, like, I think it was like the late 80s, maybe. But, um, uh, and so, like, and according to her, now obviously she's got a vested interest in protecting the legacy of her brother, but, sure. like, she, she felt like they got it pretty right in terms of, how he comported himself and how he, you know, how he interacted with people and that he wasn't this ruthless killer. Like, a, you know, like there's been a lot of uh, glorification of like Jesse James and Cowboy. Movies, I was going to, you know, I was you know. just going to ask you that. Like, do you think that that era is over? Like there is that glorification of Jesse James and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and like the, you know, the the Western outlaw. I, I, I feel like that you that's not a thing anymore. Like oh, you're not you're yeah. you're not you gonna you're not gonna like what's the word uh, you can't root for criminals now I mean it, the closest you're gonna get is someone like an antihero like Walter White in Breaking Bad a fictional character but you know like how you you root for a bad guy but he's he's bad you know but yeah you're I not gonna you're not gonna root for Ted Kaczynski right you're not gonna root for someone going over and knocking over banks because I will, oh, they're sticking I will it say, to the big corporations <laughs> I just watched Waco like that six part miniseries yeah. Uh, the, if that's, I mean, that story, depending on who you believe, like they definitely toy with your ability to not root. Like, you know, you're not supposed to root for David Koresh. Right. But there are moments where you're like, uh, oh no, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of rooting for David Koresh right now. You know, like you, you expect, and I haven't seen that, but I know something, some of the story, but, uh, but you, you, ex- you still expect the good guys to play by a certain set of rules and when and when they don't it, yeah. it does engender sympathy to someone who is ostensibly a villain and that's the right. that's the problem when law enforcement doesn't follow their own rules joe i think even uh, <laughs> <laughs> i follow the rules uh but i also th- you know like the, even the 20s gangsters right like al capone and babyface nelson and john dillinger like those guys are even 
there's a little bit of hero worship with those guys, and I just feel like that that's the end of it. Yeah, I and I, you can. I think the way they get away with that is that they would play down the killing, or they would make sure that the killing was uh, someone that deserved it. You know what I mean? They, sure. You know they. That you know, it was just oh, they were robbing from banks, and they're rich, and they can afford it. So, do you really care? And uh, it, you know, and so that that was kind of how they, you know, that was their kind of end run around that. But also, those movies, especially back then, they might glorify them for the whole movie. But then, in the last reel, they something bad would always happen to them, which was the which was literally the rules, right? Like that was literally part of the the film code, which is that yeah. like someone. If they were doing bad things, then bad, then that justice had to prevail at the end. Or your your monsters had to die, right? Like yeah. that was yeah. So yeah, so this movie is it's very, um, it's a beautifully shot movie. Like yeah. it's I, where do we know where this was shot? Because uh, it is outside. Yeah, it's, <laughs> thank you, Kevin. <laughs> it, it was shot uh, in uh, it was shot in Durango. Uh, some of it, the train stuff was shot. That was the Durango Silverton line. That's actually where I went on vacation. I was on oh. that train and I didn't know that it was the train from Butch Cassidy. And I'm like, That's how awesome. do you not have signs everywhere in Durango saying that Butch Cassidy was shot, filmed in the, oh yeah, right. Yeah. It was filmed <laughs> in, in this town. Like, I mean, that's, I was, Done. And now I will say a lot. There's been a lot of other westerns shot there, but I don't know that any of them w- were as big as Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Hmm. No, uh, probably not. But yeah. it does make uh, me watching movies like this makes me miss these big epics. Like, yep. and I know that this this movie is more contained of a western than some other ones, but still seeing the scenery and the outdoors and the, be- the beautiful cinematography. It makes me long for a movie like that, and that's why I think going back and watching old movies where they have the big Panavision cameras, the super widescreen, it it just gives you a feeling where movies today, especially with how polished they are, and there's yeah, so much there's so much CG and there's so much green screen and everything. I, I don't know, and and I know that it's every you know every old person out there, quote unquote old person, like oh they don't make them <laughs> like they did in my days, but there just there just is something missing. I mean, I didn't grow up in these days either that I'm watching, but I do long for movies that look like this, and you know that's why when Tarantino goes, I'm going to film. On, I was just going to say on, Tarantino and uh, uh, Nolan. Yeah, when when they are the two that still do it when they film on film and they say oh you know presented in panavision cinemascope whatever and and you see these gorgeous shots they the, just the revenant honest, was like yeah that. yeah oh it was you're right it, yeah, not yeah. on film but like from a scenery yeah s- standpoint it evokes that, those emotions though and so just watching this movie and following them it, it was gorgeous and it was an ex- experience and that's why i think you know, that, again, the last half of this movie is very much like them just trying to run away. But you're you're invested because one, you care about them, and two, it's it's breathtaking to look at. Like you're really enthralled yeah. by the scenery. You know, they talk about how a lot of people consider this like a perfect screenplay, and yeah, and I don't think they're wrong. That opening scene, just you know, hitting the high level stuff. The opening scene is a master class in. Yep. An exposition where yeah. you see it's you know it's uh, first off it you know it opens with you know silent real footage of Butch Cass- of old Butch Cassidy movies just kind of showing what they people <laughs> how they perceive them in, in in real time you know unless you but, watch it in Spanish well yeah <laughs> so my stars app did that happen my stars app defaulted so it has lang- it has language and subtitles and so the default number one option is spanish and the second option is english and so when we watched it it was like bush cassidy and the sundance kit like it was someone with an <laughs> accent reading the title cards and so you're supposed to be watching this silent movie and i went with it for like until until paul newman started speaking spanish i went with it <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty funny. I, I had a similar reaction when I saw the Martin Scorsese movie. Um, was it was it called Silence? Yeah, yeah. Someone was talking <laughs> when they started the film. I saw it in the theater, but the screening. But when they started the film, there they whatever they did, there was no audio, and and oh. so the whole crowd spent like five minutes trying to figure out like. <laughs> 
is this uh, an artistic? Am I supposed to watch it like this? <laughs> is this an artistic choice? The film is called Silence, <laughs> That's and then finally hilarious. you see somebody talking and no sound, and you're like, okay. And then they had to stop it and start it over. Well, I was but watching was this funny. with Katie, and she's like, Paul Newman can't speak that good of Spanish. I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we find that we find that out later. So we stay at right, yeah, and so we totally, start it yeah. over, and we saw yeah. it was silent. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. I'm like, well, I'm like, so we're the only people that probably have watched this not silent. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh. But then you know you see him viewing the bank and just how quickly it establishes that you know the, the times are changing and yeah they're not gonna there's no no place for them and then it cuts to the card game and and, yep. and then now you establish you know uh sundance's gun shooting prowess mm-hmm. i wonder you know as i was watching this I, tombstone is one of my favorite movies I oh love please i tell when i was watching this i go i know what there's our- a lot of there's a lot of doc holiday taken from Sunday. We got to do Tombstone eventually. No, wherever we I do agree. it, it's such a good movie. It's, it's so Tom, you've seen that, right? I have not. Whoa! What is happening? We are definitely doing Tombstone <laughs> at some point. Then <laughs> Snake Plissken and Batman oh. in the same movie as friends. Yeah. Um, and they have a very the, much charisma. Like they do. It, it, the movie doesn't follow it's them very the whole similar. time. But when you talk about charisma and the chemistry together, it's like, yes, those two. When you when Tom, if we ever get around, we should actually probably do tombstone next week. Just cause now that I, we, now that we've <laughs> talked about it. No, we've already selected um, next week's movies. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you, when you, when you see that, there is a lot of like, it's it. Now I that you see seen that both, I've seen clips it, and like, yeah, that's that, that makes sense. You know, yeah, he Val Kilmer is doing his best uh, Robert Redford impression, yeah, the whole time with just with tuberculosis. But yeah, so but the, go ahead. But this the scene, the the card game scene at the beginning, you know, is is great. I also like how it starts with silent movies, and it it takes a while before the movie gets very talky. Even though it's a very talky movie, that opening scene is still those opening two scenes, the bank and then the card game, are both very quiet there's not well, a also lot of talk change color yeah they the, the yeah the color slowly comes in but uh but even then when, when even when the color's all the way in it's still a very like it like muted movie in terms of color you it know? is like but i like yeah. how they phase you in from uh, silent totally. pictures and like footage of them and then they go to black and white and then they go to like sepia and it, it, it slowly fades in and it's a really nice transition to uh, acclimate you to the time period so that it's not just a jump of completely modern all of a sudden yeah and they and they keep throughout the movie going back to the sepia tone stuff to, to kind of you know at key yeah at key points um, when that, they go to well, on their way to Bolivia, on their way to and, Bolivia, and then at the end, obviously the the final shot. But um, right, yeah. but in that in that card game, uh, one of those card players is Sam Elliott. Oh, that's oh really? That's right. Yeah, yeah I, I read that somewhere, and I I forgot to look for him, and uh, but I, I you can't see him, and I don't think he talks. Like it's that, just his back. Yeah. Does yeah. he have a mustache? I don't. You never see his face. Like the only the uh, only oh, card player. Tom, you see I know his, what it was. Now Katie read about it. She said this is Sam Elliott's first film, and you only see his back. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what it is. Because I'm like, I didn't see him in the movie. Here's how much of a baller Sam Elliott is. Okay, first movie ever, yeah. right? Yeah, don't see his face. Mm-hmm. Married to the female lead in the film. I mean, <laughs> I, as soon as you know, she's another one of those actresses where as soon as you see her, yeah. You're like holy guacamole. Like I, I get it. Yeah, but and yeah. it's I, actually I, one of the things that I love is there is that there are moments when she is with Butch. Are you talking about Catherine Ross? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Where she's you know she's riding on they do you know uh, raindrops keep falling on my head and then she's riding on the bike and she even says she's like you know if you had met me first would would we have been together? And I love that Butch never wavers. Yeah. And he was just like, he's not a, he's not a creep. Like, he's just like, not like he treats her like a sister almost, mm-hmm. but there is that hint of yeah. and, something. And, you know, people love to apply subtext to movies, especially back in a day when they couldn't tell certain types of stories. And, you know, as in like they're a thruple. Well, you know, there's a, there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, essays written that, you know, are Butch and Sundance gay. Um, and okay. the, and then, but now, like there, there's a a lot of people that say that like this is a this is a polyamorous couple, and that yeah. you know that you know they kind of yeah, 
do all the things that entails. I feel like she. It's weird. As I'm watching, and I was like, okay, so Sundance is the physical part because he's not. He doesn't give almost. He gives almost zero uh, affirmation of feelings. Right. He's very where, emotionally distant. Where, yeah. Yes. Where Butch is the opposite. Yeah. Where he's gives her the feelings, but no, but no physical right. contact. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, so it's very interesting to see that play out in 2020. Totally. To how that how that couple would work. It's also an interesting movie for me to revisit at different points in my life and like seeing it now at almost 50 versus seeing it when I was, you know, 15 or 17. Like it, you know, I just, I read things very differently, you know? (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah. And you know what I love about this opening scene and when you said it, the exposition and all that, it's really well handled. And also to introduce you, if you're not familiar with these characters, that guy's reaction to knowing that he was about to draw on the Sundance kid is all <laughs> yes. you need to know about that character. It's yes, it's Billy Bob. It's Billy Bob in Tombstone. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the same. Right? Oh, it's the same the thing same, where he's they took it from that. Is what yeah. You're yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's almost the exact same scene where he's just like, uh, uh, and then he realizes what he's going to what, what is about to happen. Yeah. yeah. It's a like, great. Never mind. It's never a mind. Great lesson for for aspiring writers that like, yeah, another character's reaction can convey everything you need to know about a main character. You know? that, exactly. That's why we get exactly. on movies so hard about their lazy exposition is when they hit you over the head with something, when the characters feel the need to just sit there and explain it unnaturally yeah. where other characters would not do that. I mean, this was right. a perfect introduction being that it was someone mistaking his identity. And when he learns about it, boom, now it's like, yes, that's I'm yeah, like a, the wrong person. A lazy movie would have been like, well, this is Sundance Kid. He's the greatest shot in the old yes, West, exactly. even though it's the present day for us. Yeah, right. And you can't shoot, you know, where yeah. and and. And then Newman's dialogue is great because Newman's like he's he's nagging him right like he's yeah. just like you get older every day now that's a fact like it's basically <laughs> right. like yeah. I know you're great but at some point some someone's gonna be faster and yeah. so this could be that day you don't know and you know, so it's like that's so it's so great it's I actually I love that scene where he's just like. He's like he's he needs to tell me he needs to ask me to stay he's like I'll yeah. go but he's he's like and and Newman's just like can you can you just humor him. Can don't you even just ask him to don't say even have he's to like mean it okay that was and that was so fascinating <laughs> uh, what exactly was that i was i, I was kind of thrown off because again first time watch with that but I, I didn't really get what they were doing there it was really interesting i think it was like it like he it was basically like i'm not going to do what you tell me to do and yeah. so if you're <laughs> telling me to leave then f you now i've got to kill you but if you ask right. me to stay now i can leave with dignity it's my choice to leave uh, the situation reverse and psychology yeah, you're not <laughs> right that's exactly you're not going to punk me out in this bar it's, it's allowing him I'm gonna, it's allowing him to save face right like, yeah it's it's the, i mean it's the it's the it's the same thing that kurt russell did you know he's like you're gonna skin that smoke wagon and you know dressing down billy bob until billy bob thornton's like okay okay i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah yeah, and but yeah, and then that. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, I was just gonna transfer to the to the the next like really cool scene, which is the the knife fight with Harvey yeah. Logan. Oh uh, my gosh, I love the scene so much, and it's great. Yeah, and and again, it establishes it. You establish these two characters back to back, what their core quality is, right? Like you establish that Sundance is a really good shot. You you're never gonna get the drop on him, and but you're but with Butch. You, they they turn around and establish you're never going to out hustle him, you know. Yeah, and uh, and do you know who that is? The actor playing Harvey Logan. No, is it? Um. Oh, I. It, it's uh. Dang it! It's Lurch from the Adams yes. family. Yes, oh, thank you. He looks yep. familiar. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and he's also the narrator from the Incredible Hulk. Oh, interesting. What the television the TV show? show? Yeah. He was the narrator. He does a lot oh, of vo- he that. did a lot of voice work. But yeah, he's uh, huh. he, that was that was Lurch from and then the Adams Family television show. That character shows up in the prequel. Yeah, very briefly. Like yeah, yeah. The, Along with Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. The the prequel. I messaged Kevin as I was watching. It, I was like, I think this movie invented fan service. <laughs> I think it absolutely did. Yeah. So <laughs> this scene when uh, you know basically Butch and Sundance are away all the time, and his gang, the Hole in the Wall gang, is like, "You're never around. How can you be the leader of this gang?" So Lurch challenges him for leadership, which is uh, you know they end up having a knife fight. But I, the way that Paul knew 
Newman outsmarts him again, test him <laughs> yeah. into the script, uh, you know, by, you know, he's trying to establish rules and he says, there's no rules in a knife fight. And then that's all he needs to say. Okay. Then and he kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> and it's so great because you watch Newman cheat, but at the yeah. same time, he's not cheating. And no. it's like, it's, it's, there's no rules. Yeah. He's like, you, you establish that there's no rules. So, okay. And he kicks him right in the nuts yeah. and like on the same beat rules. There's no rules in a knife yeah, fight. Oh, it's thud. brilliant. That the comedy yeah. and the cleverness with that. And I mean, I guess he like, he like elbows him in the nuts, but whatever. Same difference. Oh, okay. Sorry. But, yeah. Oh, but, that's uh, right. Oh, yeah. It looked like it hurt, whatever it was. Yes, and, uh, he got hit. Yeah. In the, he got hit in the balls. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter and, how you get hit. In the and balls. then his his other guy who like was not on board with him is like, oh yeah, I was rooting for him the whole nose. time. <laughs> Ew, it was your support actually, that sustained me in my moment of trouble. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like love. I love. Is it Reader? Is that the guy's News. name? Where he just where he just has like newspaper clippings in his jacket pocket. Yeah, the news, and he's, he's reading it. And he's like, "All right, I got it." He's like, "No, no, no, I got to get to this last part." And he gets to his to his name. He's like, "I just love seeing my name in print." Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's so great. And then they go to the train. Well, the 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 other funny part though is that the lurch guy is like, "We're gonna rob the train there and on the way back." And he and Paul Newman's like, "Why would you do that? Whatever." And then he he finishes fighting him, and he's like. Hey, that's exactly what we're gonna do. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah that's a right. good idea. <laughs> yeah, the the woodcock gag I think is the best gag of the movie, where the guys like, look, they, they rob the train and they're going to get the money from the the safe car. And I love the, the relationships between. Oh how yeah, everyone everybody's knows like, Bush okay, okay, it's, you win, you win. It, it, the, this this movie's so different than other westerns because one, the time period setting is kind of supposed to be on the the outs of all the like gang the outlaws and everything like times are changing and 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 uh everything is so much more civilized in this than just like bad guys shooting the the good guys and or you know the robbers shooting people and stealing it like everyone has a relationship these are celebrities of the time and it's like an honor and it's exciting to be robbed by them and they're there to like shake their hand and say hey you know oh good to see you they're like mesmerized yeah, you can go home them. and tell a story yeah. like i got robbed by butch cassidy the sundance it's so kid. different there's hardly any fighting but what's more interesting is watching this unique relationship between butch and sundance and all these people who are standing by like excited about being robbed yeah and uh and then so yeah they break in of course the guy's like i don't i can't do it i can't let you in i can't let you in and finally he, you know they have to blow the door off and uh, the, the first thing that i that Butch does is goes to check on the guy. And he was like, my God, are you okay? And he was like, he's like, they're not paying you enough for this crap. They take the money and they run. Uh, and then he, they go home and they're going to, you know, this is where we get, we meet uh, the girl, Edda. you know, the girl, this Edda. Thank you. Um, Who was really a prostitute the, in real life. They're, it, oh, really? They're yeah. not. Sh- I, I, I've seen conflicting reports uh, in terms okay. of whether or not she was a teacher or a prostitute, because apparently William Goldman flipped her from uh, people said she was a prostitute, but he flipped her to a teacher because he he said he didn't believe she was a prostitute because most of the pictures you would see of prostitutes from that era, they were really rough looking and that oh. and that the pictures he saw of her like she was legitimately a, a very pretty and well-kept lady and he didn't think that he was just like he just wasn't buying oh i'm sorry i thought you meant the actress was a prostitute no what <laughs> no she no. was an actress no she was an actress <laughs> she you. had just okay. been in the graduate she's the main yeah. the main <laughs> right 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 the exactly graduate. uh but yeah so then they they go back and they go back to hit the same train and uh, this time, the same guy, Woodcock, and then oh god, the just like, you, locks like, on the safe and everything. I mean, he's like, yeah. what are you? Why would what you are do you that? <laughs> you got you broke Harriman. into it so easily. We had to do yeah. something. Oh, yeah. so- you got you broke into it so easily last time. We had to do something. So they put too much dynamite on it, and this time they blow it to hell, <laughs> and they kind of lose the score, is my interpretation. But because they've hit the same train um, that has the same owner. This owner enlists the the ba- most badass lawman. Oh, LaFors. Uh, John LaFors. Which is a straight reference to Mallrats. No, it's the other way around. <laughs> That's what yeah, I meant. Yeah. Mallrats is a like, reference to I mean, even I wears a white hat, same I was everything. thinking Joe had to be flipping his lid yes. because that's the reason why the security guard in Mallrats is named LaFors and wears a straw yes. hat. Like, you know, never having seen it before and loving Mallrats, it blew my mind. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It's, and it's just, I mean, it's exactly that. Yeah. Uh, and they have like, you know, they 
they're on the run now and yeah. they realize they got to get out of Dodge. They, they cannot stay here. That scene where after the first heist though, and they go to the brothel or wherever the saloon that they're at and the guys outside trying to mount a team to go after Butch Cassidy. Oh my God. The Sundance <laughs> yeah. Kid, the, the sheriff, the, the marshal the, of the town. And, and, yeah. and he's like, who's with me? And no one's there because he's like, we got it. We got to do something right. We got to go <laughs> after him. And no one's volunteering. It's hilarious because you can tell they're all sitting around like, why would, we're not going to go after Butch Cassidy. Like, yeah, even the guy, even the guys are like, no, no, thank you. It's also the flip side of the movie deals a lot with the future, right? Like the bicycles kind of about the future and, and, uh, uh, and, but like that's part of civilizing the old West is that it also means people aren't going to be as apt to go hunt down criminals. Like, Hey dude, that's your job. If the cop showed up at our house and said, Hey, there's a criminal on the loose. Come help us. I'd be like, go <laughs> f yourself, right? You know? uh, no, so that no, that's, that was. I mean, I'll go, but no, that was a great scene and the gag with yeah. the bicycle salesman who was like, tr- was like, yeah, half my job is is gathering a crowd. You've the done crowd. that for me. And he's trying to sell bicycles, <laughs> like, yeah, so good. But I do like that they're sitting up in like the while the while the 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 marshal is trying to gather a posse to go get him. They're sitting up above them, right? Just being super chill, they're, drinking some beers, probably like, all the way dopes? to wherever, and then they scroll over <laughs> yeah. and they're there. Yeah. That's great, right? So uh, now they're on the run. They call this the super posse. These like this posse of people that's tracking them down. That's like, you know, it's the Justice League of. Yeah. And so something I thought was brilliant about this whole part here, um, you know, at least this whole super posse tracking scene. They never use their telephoto lenses to zoom in on the super posse. I thought this was so brilliant because we get to see it from Butch and Sundance's view. In another movie, I told Katie, I'm like, in any other movie, they would zoom right in and we would see LaFour's face. We would see who the trackers are. We would see all this stuff. But we see it from their perspective and they look like little pinpoints, just like if you were way up on the mountains, you'd say, like, I can make out objects, but I can't tell what they are. And I thought that was so smart. And again, such a great way to let the story unfold when they finally figure out who is involved. And it's right. so much more menacing. There's just this oh, is as much fun as the movie is. There's also this this cloud hanging over it of of menace of like they're the they're getting closed in on yeah and it's not well, yeah, as, as good as our as good as our heroes quote unquote are they're they're not really one step ahead like they're almost like two or three steps behind yeah because this this troop is constantly on them the the entire time like they're never not getting away because yeah. they have the, like they're getting the, there's distance between them right but, but that distance is closing rapidly and and this this super posse is is uh is well, I mean, really good. They have the skills, but they also have unlimited resources right. because it, now it's just a matter of pride. Because there's a line where Butch says he's like, "Well, they're spending more money to catch us than we ever stole from them." He's <laughs> yeah. like, "If they, if, if, they just, would, if they just gave us that money, yeah. we'd leave them alone. Like, if you just pay me what you're paying them, I'll stop." You know. Yeah. <laughs> and so they found out that there was an actual Indian tracker. That's the only way because they were following them. Like every trick they tried wouldn't work. Uh, and yeah. So they had this expert tracker, and that's how they ended up basically cornering them up on the mountains. And they do that big that big jump, which is another really fun scene. You know, as a kid, I always thought that was the end. <laughs> like the I get it. I get. Yeah. 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 I, exactly. I yeah. It, I yeah. always thought that was the end. And of the man, movie. that's a great effects shot. Like I did not realize that that was not a real stunt. I mean, it's a real stunt, but like it, it's a, it's a matte painting. It's a, it's a stunt jump against a matte painting. Like no it's kidding. not really on a cliff. And I'm like, looks oh, good i watched it on a, it, it makes you hurt for stuff like that yeah, yeah i watched it on a huge projection screen in hd and i didn't notice that so i know <laughs> it's just it's amazing the what how good practical effects could be yeah. you know i mean it was, it's that it's I, I was just talking to somebody the other day is that's why the prequels suck a the stories are awful but b there's when abrams took over the at episode seven yeah like he brought back the practical effects and it felt like a star wars movie right those prequels just are super you know like rubbery yeah yeah agreed so they pack up etta and they you know and i this is the scene where you're not really sure if you're supposed to be rooting you know you're supposed to root for for sundance but he's not nice yeah to etta like there's he's there's the whole scene where she he kind of makes her strip and even like i you know watching it yesterday it's a weird game that 
that those characters play and the film plays because the way they yeah. first introduce her, like they they let you and they hold that moment for a long time. I remember watching this movie as a you know as a teenager and being like, is he a gonna rape i i was right and, there with you and it's just like and like how am I, I can't like this character now and and uh and then and then she smarts off to him and you realize that this is just a game that they play yeah and, i told and, right. and we were watching i go i go this is a, a role play thing there's no way they're gonna make yeah. sundance kid rape someone in the first 10 minutes of this movie there's just no way well at gunpoint like there's it's just there's just a level of uh, uncomfortability, just the way it's going down, and then when she smarts off to him, you're like, "Oh, okay, I don't feel as bad. All right, I can I can go back to liking this guy." No, yeah, they're but into he, it. They're all in on yeah, it. She, I mean, yeah, she's. I mean, it's it's enthusiastic consent, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and when he finally says, he's like, "All right, you can come with us," but I just swear to God, you start whining, you start doing. I'm leaving you behind, and she's even kind of like, "Yeah, I'm going," but like. There's just a, there's a there's a level of him not really wanting her to come along. Well, I think that she should have been with Butch Cassidy. I mean, I think that they're they're, to, Probably. they're together. Probably. Well, they, okay, so knowing what we know though, Kevin, yeah. he can't she can't be. Well, but I mean, who knows what happened since then? I don't know. Yeah. Like uh-huh. I'm because there I mean, we'll get into that more, but because of what we learn and then because of what we don't see and don't talk about, I right. just don't know that that's still the situation, honestly. Maybe not. Yeah, I would, but I feel, I would agree. I feel like with Butch though. I think it's just a respect thing between the two guys. I think that, you know, I mean, obviously she's with Sundance, but to me, I think that whole bicycle scene, I mean, it it speaks you know speaks all everything you need to know without saying it that you know I right. mean it's just a matter of who got there first but it should have been yeah should have been yeah I, love I guess her that's true I guess he is hooking up with with prostitutes yeah yeah throughout like before we get to Bolivia and I, so, I, yeah, I so love they, her speech here though where she's like laying down her guidelines which is like I'll do this and I'll mend your wounds and other but I but there's one thing I won't do and it's like I won't watch you die mm-hmm. and it's like it's probably I think it's probably her shining moment in the film and and her yeah. role is kind of thankless her and the director did not get along he actually banned her from the set ah. uh, huh, that's kind of a yeah because yeah. she filmed she she operated a camera because they were one cameraman they, short yeah she showed up on one of the shots i forget which one it was but uh but like they were a cameraman short and she wanted to learn about filmmaking and and the cinematographer was like, yeah, come on over. You can you can work this camera for me. We're, we're short. And she did. And George Roy Hill did not like it. And like and he banned her from the set, uh, except, you know, except on days when she was be- shooting, being filmed. But, I apparently huh. from what I've read, George Roy Hill wasn't. Yes, that's a good would, filmmaker. But he what a I mean, he came. He came in with a vision, and they were going to capture it. But uh, he was not one of those guys. And I think he could be collaborative if he if he deemed you worthy. Like it sounds like him and Newman got along fairly well. But they it sounds like they also butted heads. And and you know, they, it was that kind of old school tough guy filmmaker, like a Howard Hawks or a, yeah, a John Ford kind of mentality yeah because newman was trying to convince him to do scenes differently like the whole time they were filming and i mean newman could never get through to him yeah he wanted the scene i don't even know if we'll touch on it but the scene where they go and they they uh they tie up that that sheriff or whatever marshal mm. that clearly yeah. used to be a criminal and uh and 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 uh he wanted that to be the last scene before they went to bolivia where and and uh and George Roy Hill disagreed, and he was the mm. director, so he won. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I guess that's the way that works. Yes. So they get away. So there's that bicycle scene we talked about. Raindrops keep falling on my head is like the huge hit that came out of this movie. Um, won an Oscar. Yeah, and and you know I thought it was really interesting that Burt Bacharach wrote that song, and then the guy that ended up singing it wasn't even the first choice. He like he he ended up doing it because Ray Stevens turned it down, and then and I think the, Bob Dylan turned it down too. They originally wanted Bob Dylan. That was the story that I read in a different article, but uh, yeah. from what I saw at Vanity Fair, they said that he initially brought on Ray Stevens. Like that's like the first actual 
one they tried to get and then like i think he maybe wrote it with dylan in mind but they tried to give it to ray stevens he turned it down and then they got bj thomas to sing it and like apparently he had laryngitis so that's why it's so raspy and he thought he sounded awful but then it ended up being this huge hit best laid plans yeah but yeah and 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 so they wrote that song for the movie they do the bicycle thing where you get that sense of ella and uh butch's relationship or you know of what could have been there and it's a really nice scene um but then anyway we get this montage which i thought was fascinating so did you tom did you read the story about that they wanted to use the set next door to film yeah they were they and they they the set next door was Hello Dolly yeah because it was the same time oh. period and, and they Hello thought they Dolly could was, film the real scenes and that's why you only get pictures because they yeah. were gonna just go there and actually film them in New York and they would not let them because I guess they said they wanted to keep the set a secret or something like close I think set. because Hello Dolly was a was a prestige movie yeah you know what I mean like the, and they didn't realize Butch Cassidy was gonna be that level of popular. Hello Dolly was like their you know the equivalent of a tentpole picture they were adapting this huge Broadway musical they had you know Barbara Streisand in it at her peak and and uh and so yeah they didn't want anyone to see the set so they still went and were and shot there but they took still photos and then and then spliced them into period photos and it's good it's good looking stuff though. oh my like, gosh for the oh for yeah the time period 1969 i'm looking at it and there's photoshop today that looks way more fake than those photos yeah they did a great Absolutely. job and they used like something over 200 actual period shots and i thought it was a really fascinating way to do it and when i watched it i questioned it and i'm like there has to be a reason they did photos here yeah so i thought it was really interesting that they just you know they presumed hey we'll just use this set they couldn't um but it ended up working really well um, and so I like that transition. I like all that. It shows their journey, you know, all the way to Bolivia. And then the thing is, I kept like yelling at the screen saying like, go straight. Like you got away. You guys should be dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I said, go there and start a farm. And then like 15 minutes later, they talk about what do you want me to do? Start a farm. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I think in real life they did. I think in real yeah. life, I think they were in Bolivia for like eight years. Wow. And it's it's definitely a compressed time yeah. frame a little bit. And I think they did sure. go straight for a for a little bit and then and then didn't i wish they would have shown that more at first because you're like you got away start your life over this was a chance for a clean slate you know you could live your life just you know start the farm and i get that they're this is their life and it would be hard to do but i don't know the way it jumped right into like oh hey let's go check out this bank right when we get here you know you're just kicking yourself for them i don't know i i took it as like they're they're addicts yeah and they think they thought it would be easy pickings that like oh this little podunk country yeah they're not going to be ready for two guys <laughs> right. like us yeah yeah exactly so yeah so they start doing their thing in bolivia and start robbing banks and then but uh, they have to learn spanish they don't they can't rob the thing too <laughs> yeah right and i love that is it ella or etta is it etta okay etta i think it's etta uh it has to like teach them spanish and of course this is another scene where sundance doesn't take very like he's just not willing to learn where butch is like yep got it not a problem the, like he's just rattling it's off the brains and the brawn thing though you know they're a perfect pairing because of of sundance's skill and and uh butch's smarts and i i do like how the prequel touches upon that they're a great pairing yeah. and uh that scene was another great gag where uh etta and and sundance are in bed and she's like oh we're not going to do anything until you say this and then they knock on the wall next door and butch is over there and she's like butch what do you what's the way to say this and he pulls out a, a uh, crib sheet and he's right, right, like, that right. was very good butch <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh thank until you. the next day when he can't uh, say the same thing because he doesn't have right, his... <laughs> he has to pull out the, he has to pull out the crib sheet and then read it uh, off of that so they're just i mean they're just kind of living their own life in bolivia and then they realize that lafleur is there he's in bolivia looking he, they see him from the back and they see his hat uh and they realize that we gotta go and this is where uh, Etta is just like I think I'm going back home. Yeah, like they're sleeping. They they had to leave their house. They're going. They they're sleeping out on you know under the stars. And she's like, yeah, 
this isn't like this is going to end badly. Like you're going to die. It's that I mean, they set it up beautifully in the first part, right? Like that's the best yeah. thing I've ever met her. You know, like I guess in the second act when she says, you know, I'll do this, that, and the other, like Tom said, but I won't watch you die. And when she leaves, it's it's exactly what she said. Yeah, she's like, I'm not, I'm not staying. And it's great foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Because that's, yeah, yeah, because they're like, it's he's they're gonna die. Mm-hmm. Like they, <laughs> right? They, yeah, that's they, exactly. They're right. telling you like. They're not. These, they're not going to inception it. Yeah, like, that's these, the, these two are open to interpretation. These two aren't going to have a happy ending. Kate leaves. They're kind of sitting on their own, and they're sitting in this restaurant. And this is the final shootout. This is the uh, where all hell breaks loose. The well, we this skipped kid a little bit into a, where they go straight for a minute, and they're going to. They, oh, that's true. They're going to protect. Uh, yeah, that's a right. Payroll, that's right. but they end up having to. They get robbed, <laughs> and they end up killing them. And like, yeah. and it, it's the it. it Butch finally kills somebody. He's like, "Well, we went straight." And uh, I do. I love the line where Butch goes, "I've never killed anybody." And just the look on Redford's face. He's like, "Son of a bitch!" Like, what a great time to bring that up. Yeah. He's like, "Can you just shoot in between them, and hopefully we'll hit one of them?" I guess. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a great reveal, and you can tell by how he's he always uses his wits to smart people. He's never had to actually fight. Yeah. Right. It's also a great mirror image of of the. Uh, of the cliff jump scene, right? Where yes. Redford's like, I can't swim, you mm. know? <laughs> and, and like, he's got it's his own weird. reveal is, of like, I've never killed anybody. It's weird when we get to this, to the, to the next one where they're in this one, they're like, we don't know. I don't know anything about you. Like, I don't know your I real know, name. That's going like, to be weird, but we'll talk about that. Next it's going to, yeah. we'll, we'll get, we'll get on the next yeah. one, but there's just a lot of like, if you're going to make that. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is the big gunfight. And of course, our heroes are up against the wall and they, they have no way of getting out and they realize we're screwed there. If that we are surrounded, they took out, we took out as many as we could. Uh, let's just go out guns a blazing. I like that. You know, we should go to Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right. I like how he's still like, planning. You yeah. just keep thinking. It's Butch, nice. That's what you're good yeah. at. All, yeah. Yeah. And, and they, this is the, the, the scene on the cover box, the scene on the poster is yeah. them coming around that corner and then just hearing the gunshots and then a freeze frame of them in that like sepia tone color that we've seen throughout the movie. But right, yeah. right up until the end, you know, I mean, this movie, I mean, they are busting balls the entire movie and their chemistry and yeah. relationship, like we said, is so believable. It's so lovable to watch that happen. And right up to the very end, you know, like, like we find out that, of course, Butch has never shot anybody, but then again, he's like, I got to go out there and get the bullets because they're almost out because he's like, I, you know, he's like, I can't shoot. So you're going to have to cover me. And, you know, then when he does it, uh, he doesn't do it right. You know, and Sundance is like, well, if I knew you were going to be not, you know, taking it easy or whatever, you know, if you were going to run like that, I would have, you know, it's like they, they, this is this is Iron Man. This is Cap and Tony. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, even though they're criminals, this movie invented and is the template for every buddy cop movie you've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. There is no yep. movie, no relationship like this that predates this film. The closest I can think of is Hope and Crosby in the road pictures. Yeah, um, probably. But there's no level of, of seriousness attached to those films at all. Sure. But um. But I mean, if it wasn't for th- this movie, you wouldn't have a lethal weapon or a tango in cash or a 48 hours or I mean, you can just go on and on and on like this. This movie invents that template and every movie that comes after it owes a debt of gratitude. And I think they would tell oh, yeah. you that ba- bad boys, you wouldn't have a bad. I mean, oh, for sure. You no, know, I mean, it's it. This is this is what major Hollywood action movies all harken back to. And the same way every rom-com, I think, harkens back to It Happened One Night. Um, Almost every, like, action movie or buddy cop-style action movie harkens back to this film. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 great right up until the end, but uh, Butch ends up getting shot in the back as he's running with the gun belts uh, that he got from the horses, and Sundance tried to cover him, but there's just too many, and yeah, they just, they're taking out, Sundance is taking out as many as he can, but uh, the entire army, the entire like, Bolivian army shows up, so you know yeah, as right. soon as they go around that corner, they're done for, and, and again, I do like that they end with that freeze frame that's the cover and the poster and everything, because you don't need to see them blown to bits, like, right. you knew they couldn't get out of it. It's really nice that your memory is preserved of the two of them and they go out fighting and it freezes and it's like it's just a really nice way to end that film. And that it's what I was 
go ahead. That Bolivian army thing, that's true. Like that yeah. occurred. Like uh in in fact the studio initially was like this whole Bolivian stuff, like they're like, <laughs> it's not believable. You need to rewrite that. And he's like, But it's all true. Like they really yeah, that, here here it is in the book. They really did send the Bolivian army to kill them because they were so tired of all the havoc they were wreaking. When so, the when the yeah. art, when the commander or whatever general goes up and they're like, Yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> There's these two guys right. that have been taking out all these different guys. These, these two gringos. Like, two? And it was so great. I know. I was saying, oh. what's so great is it's all in Spanish. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it hinges on, on the viewer having at least a rudimentary knowledge yeah. of Spanish. And, but all you really need to know is that two in Spanish yeah. is dos. <laughs> dos? Because they're like right. going back and forth. And then you just hear them be like, dos? <laughs> like, oh, that can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. You know, I have a... I love to recast things. Yeah. And I think if they were to, if they were to make the Avenger, it's funny now that Redford has been in Captain America. Redford was Captain America. Oh yeah. Like if, if they, if they were to recast this back then, it do look watching this now, not Duval. Um, Newman would have been Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah. Cause he had, he's got the snark. He's got the quick wit. He's got all that attitude and Redford would have been Captain America. That's funny. And I think, and now seeing Redford has been in a Captain America movie, like it's like oh yeah now I get it <laughs> like it makes sense why they put him it wasn't a it wasn't a we'll get this old timey actor to be in this role like he was that character yeah that's you cool know? yeah so it would have been it's it's very cool to see see it's a shame did we did they only do two movies together uh, I believe so I believe this is it this that, is the that is that is a crime yeah and people think of them so much as a duo but they were really only in two movies together but they were two of the best I know. Butch Cassidy is 69, but it's essentially kind of kicks off the 70s. And, right. and they're in two of the greatest movies of, of the 70s, essentially. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Easily. And uh, um, and an example of, and I said this when we talked about, the, when we were talking about the Sting during Sting 2, is that just the, a fine example of Hollywood filmmaking at its finest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I will also say, I just thought this was interesting. I watched this with my... 15 year old so he's youtube video games like that and and this movie held his attention beginning to end he absolutely so doesn't stop he absolutely loved it nice yeah and i and i think it. that is such a testament to the script again because there's not that much action like in the especially when yeah. you're running away there's not that much action in a traditional sense but because of the relationship and because there's so much to take in you know all the sights and sounds and, it, it and it's, it's a mesmerizing movie yeah, like every every scene is is clever and and interesting. Yes. It's there's never just a well. This is just a scene to establish this, so we can do this other thing later. Every time they're establishing something, it's still clever or funny or engaging in a in a way other than just about revealing the story. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's just a great time at the movies. It's a classic. Yeah, for a reason, and justifiable. For so. a reason. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's it for this one. Let's go around the table, and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts, B-U-T-T-S 21. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. Uh, like the page. Join the group while you're there. Be sure and swing on by the group and let us know your thoughts on Butch Cassidy. Maybe you've never seen it. And uh, this was your first experience with the two. We'd love. It's always fun to to get people's take on a classic movie uh, with coming at it with no real advanced knowledge. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash real spoilers. We're for five bucks a month. You get all sorts of bonus content and uh, and you help us out. And we appreciate that. So coming up on the next one, uh, we will tackle the misbegotten sequel to this film, which is Butch and Sundance, the early days, unless you're this DVD manufacturer and then it's Butch and Sundance, <laughs> the early years. Uh, and uh, it will be a little bit of a different experience so thanks for tuning in and until next time grizzly adams gives bean a bear raindrops keep falling on my head and just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed nothing seems to fit those raindrops are falling on my head they keep falling so i just did me some talking to the sun 
And I said I didn't like the way he 